Hey, I'm Will Laviste. He's Eric Laville, and you're tuning into Laviste and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective. Now, today's show, little to nothing. Why do blue-collar voters, blue-collar white voters in particular, tend to vote against their interests for Republican candidates? Now, now, Eric, this is, you know, we've talked a lot about this, you know, over the years yeah. offline. What is going on when you got a candidate, for example, like a Mitt Romney, right, going back further, and then a Donald Trump, all of these guys that come out of... Our Joe, our, our Joe yeah, Rich. Yeah, I mean, guys that come out <laughs> of the, you know, elite classes, but are somehow able to get this blue-collar representation even though their policies don't even reflect the interests, the best interests of these um, lower middle or lower working class, you know, individuals. We got some of the bluest counties in America, some of the bluest and whitest and poorest counties in America have representation by um, these kind of political leaders. I mean, what, what, what is it, you know, what is it that you, that is going on here? Well, well, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a head-scratcher. I mentioned, uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of these red counties. Uh, oh, yeah, I said, still, man, I said blue. I'm sorry. I, said, I meant red counties, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look. See, I'm yeah, spoken like, look, spoken we are, like a true independent. You know, to me, you know, it's all, it's blue, it's all red. They all, they all the same. Right. Especially when you look at the policies, you know. You know, one thing that, look, I, I'm going to digress for a minute because you bring that up. You know, it's all the same, you know, because the one thing that this last administration championed was minimum wage increase, minimum wage increase. We're going to do it for you. Man, look, they didn't even get get past the inauguration before they said it was a no-go. And the people are saying, what are you talking about? You know, but, but anyway, and that's how you erode trust in the system. But I'm going to get back to that in a moment. But let's take a look at these right. red caps. Now, I mentioned Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is not from the elite, but he represents West Virginia, right? West Virginia is a perfect example of individuals who are, it's a red red state, red county, right. extremely red. It is a state of less than 2 million people. It's a state of extreme Extreme poverty. poverty. Now, when I say extreme poverty, there are some people in the United States that have not seen this type of poverty exist. West Virginia, the Delta in Mississippi, areas in, in uh, uh, Louisiana, and also Arkansas. All right? These states have some of the poorest counties and parishes, when you're looking at Louisiana, in the entire right, largest, states, Some of the right? largest white populations in the, in the states and poorest Poor. states. And yet they're the reddest right. states against policies that would help them to be able to uplift, like, you know, like like Medicare type <laughs> policies or or uh, or, right. or income policies. But go ahead. Right. Right. So they end up voting for a party, Republican Party, that whose domestic policies, OK, domestic policies are geared toward the top 3% as opposed to the bottom 3%, right? right? So when we talk about extreme poverty, okay, or even the working man, but we're talking about extreme poverty. 
So they would rather vote for a Republican that, quote unquote, talks about uh, the status of America, right? Talks about this moral majority. And really, a lot of these are racist uh, tropes, right, uh, that were created back in the uh, 70s, 80s, when, the, when, the, when the, the Republican Party needed a new group of individuals to court to increase their status. They courted the church, uh, what's called the, well, the white church, the Southern right. Baptist right. movement. And they call themselves the, 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 the moral right. majority. So and and now we call them the uh, the conservative Christian right, right? So it sounds good, you know. You're Christian, you're conservative as opposed to liberal. You know these guys are these all these liberals want to do is to legalize all dope and drugs and so forth and so on. So you're a conservative. You believe in traditional families. You believe in a mother and father in the family. You believe in eating right. dinner at the table together, you know, reading scripture at night and then, and praying with the kids, which is all great things. And then not only you just, you're Christian, you're conservative, but you're also right. You know, you're right of the issues, which mentally, right? Psychologically, you think if I'm right of the issue, then I am correct. But it's not that issue. kind of right. right. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, but 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 that's not right. what you think about, right? <laughs> you know what you talk about, and just as we just use it, it's an affirmation of you being correct. It's an affirmation of you not right. being wrong. It's an affirmation that you are the leader or the leading uh, uh, person in this correct. argument, right? So so now what happens is that you get this mentality that okay, if I vote for these policies. It's going to destroy the America that right. I know. It's going to destroy the America. The one that we want to go back to. The one that we want to, you know, make great again. Um, <laughs> the one that never even quite worked for you. Because it didn't work for your father. It didn't work for your grandfather, grandmother. It never yeah. quite worked for you. But somehow that's the America that you want to go back to. Yeah. And Will, keep in mind. There's nothing new under the sun. I say what was, is, and what yeah. is shall be. Make America Great Again wasn't something that dropped out of the sky. That's that's what Ronald right. Reagan ran. Exactly. <laughs> so, look, they just simply cast the line and pulled back 40 years ago what worked and did it again. And guess what? It worked again. And it's still working, right? People talk about, you know, uh, Trump losing the election. He didn't lose by landslide. It took a lot of work to get a lot of new voters right. registered. It took a lot of work to get a lot of people to the polls. It took a lot of work to pass policies to give access to the polls. It took a right. lot of work. It didn't take a lot of work for less than 5 million people that voted for Trump to go right. out and vote, right? So if you really want to be honest about this, the majority of America still believes in those policies of Ronald Reagan still believes in those policies of the propaganda of Trump, which still believes that America was better, you know, 50 years ago than opposed now, to now. now, a good example of, of, of why what you're <laughs> saying is correct, because you can just go back to when Romney ran. That's why I mentioned him earlier. Oh. So you got in 2000, I'm, I'm looking this up, and I'm looking at this county, Owsley County, Kentucky, okay? 97% uh -huh. white, 
Median okay. income is nineteen thousand. Okay, dollars nineteen thousand per year. Now the, the median income, America's median income <laughs> is fifty-two thousand. This county right. is nineteen about nineteen thousand. Right, fifty-two percent back when Rob Romney was running back in two thousand eleven. Fifty-two percent of the people there received food stamps. Fifty-two percent. And they voted handily swipe. for Mitt Romney. The one who the one who was talking about how, you know, these 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 lower class individuals and so forth is the one who was berating and, and degrading was caught on tape degrading it. On tape and play. And play. Right. They vote handily for him and others whose policies cut those food stamps, cut those very lifeline government subsidies, safety net type programs that's actually helping to keep things afloat for them. And so we continue to see, but yet when you look at what you see projected on television and media about who is America's poor, right? right? It continues to be Black people, brown people, folks in inner city areas. Right. Again, you mentioned Reagan, the whole thing about welfare moms yeah. or or you can, you can you can go yeah. to after Reagan and and Daddy Bush and, and it was Willie Lynch, you know, these criminals yeah. who are looking to just get over on the system and steal. Lock them up. Lock them and up, go and keep got, Yeah. So now <laughs> now we've got the it's the immigrants who are coming in and invading. So we got to build the wall. We've got to do this. And then you vote these people into office and they're cutting the very programs that are enabling you to sustain your children, your families. How do Absolutely. You... And, and, then, and then not only that, not only that, we'll, they, they spin the message and say that these people who are coming in illegal are taking your jobs. When in actuality, corporate America and the elites which were benefited in a part by the Clinton uh, Free Trade Agreement and NAFTA and GATT, but primarily pushed, you know, by con- continual Republican policies that that value corporations and the wealthy more so. Those individuals took more jobs from white Americans than anything. So, I mean, again, you know, it's that it's that message, it's that message, it's that spin because. It is, it's a terrible thing, man, when you when you create an image and, and that is not true and you create truth around it, you know, fallacies around it to make it true. It's hard to get that out your mind, right? Because now you got people that still believe in, quote, unquote, black welfare mothers, right? right. <laughs> that, that, that is the reason why we're in debt, when in actuality, it's tax cut upon tax cut for the top 3%. It's incentives, corporate welfare up on uh, for, for corporations every single year. The biggest tax cut came during the Trump administration. Today, you know, where, again, before the pandemic, before the stimulus, before the CARES Act, one and two, after the tax cut, Will, after the tax cut, guess what? Guess what, man? What? We were borrowing. We were borrowing. Guess how much we were borrowing per month after the tax, the Trump tax cut? How much? In order to sustain us. 100 
billion dollars a month. And who are we? Who, go who back are we borrowing it from? We were well. We were selling bonds, and what happened was after the stock market collapsed under uh, under Bush. Uh, due to the mortgage uh, implosion and the stimulus bill was signed to get America back the buyout and it was put up on Obama's shoulders and Joe Biden in order to administer that 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 buyout okay and that plan after the banks got their money and the corporations right so what happened was from there we started buying the Federal Reserve was buying our bonds because our bonds were not as, uh, how can I say, trustworthy across the world <laughs> after the mortgage collapse, right? And so what ended up happening, man, we ended up now coming back and we had decreased, the Federal Reserve had decreased buying our bonds. After that tax cut, the Federal Reserve increased buying our bonds. And now the individuals that buy our bonds the most is the Federal Reserve. So basically we got the uh, National Bank, which is really the World Bank for us, uh, the Federal Reserve for the United States, buying bonds from the United States saying, hey, we need $100 billion. Okay, I trust you. Now you can print $100 billion right. of the money. So it's, a, it, it's basically taking $100 out of your pocket, your right pocket, Will, and putting it in your left pocket. That's exactly now, and then when you get into these discussions about bonds and about, you know, funds, and again, the, the typical person <laughs> in Owsley County or in Kentucky or in Virginia or in Arkansas, yeah. they're not tuned in to the details of oh. these conversations and not seeing how it trickled down right into their lives. But when you see your livelihood disappearing, right, in a lot of these areas, yeah. a lot of these areas' jobs were tied to you know, to the agrarian society, it's on to the farms or they're tied to the manufacturers, like yeah. you said, to the to the chicken plant yeah. or to the coal mines. You see these things yeah. disappearing. But a lot of why they're disappearing is not because there's some other group coming from south of the border or these, you know, other other African Americans, these, you know, those those black folks that are looking to rob me and take something from me. It's coming because of the very policies that were made by folks who you voted in office. They're not beholden yeah. to you as con constituents looking at what is best for their their particular counties. They're looking at, okay, who is contributing to my campaign and what are these interests that are helping me to remain in office. And then they turn around and you get the nail on the head. Hustle, you get the nail on the head. Scheming again, you know. You didn't call it a hustle. Yeah, I called it a hustle because, <laughs> you know, these are the things that I saw, you know, as a reporter, you know, working as a columnist, working as a reporter in Virginia. And you see this going on over and over and over again. And you're trying to inform the public of what is going on and what does this policy really mean? That you're hearing that sounds abstract, you know, when it's being talked about in a soundbite on TV or in a debate. But you're trying as a journalist to to connect those dots for people to make them see understand. Okay, this is how that policy will affect you directly in your home in your household. But then you're up against the messaging that comes out from these different political campaigns, different um, packs 
different groups, like you said, that are doing what you mentioned earlier, spin. Spinning the narrative in a way that puts the blame on someone else. And again, it's the power of being persuasive, the power of slick speaking. I mean, we've seen it to the hilt with, you know, the previous president, who still to this day, if you analyze <laughs> the policies and the impact and lack of impact that it actually had on the people who are storming the Capitol, right? In terms of turning their lives around, yet and still they're still storming the Capitol under some pretense yes. that this is the Messiah who's going to make <laughs> right. my life better. But are you looking at what the policy actually means? So no, Will, Will, they're not, they're not looking at the policy again. They're looking at the images that were branded in their right. minds, their brains, their psyche 50 years ago, and then perpetuated through public policy that continued to disadvantage not just those groups that they created those fallacies for and those trolls, but also right. them, right? Oh, and then, you know, you can't really, and then they created this narrative, this false narrative that affirmative action was this one black guy coming into this company of 10,000 people is the one that took your affirmative job. action, which by the way, was a Republican, you know, that was affirmative action was introduced Absolutely. under Nixon. It was a Republican yeah. reaction and, um, and understanding that here, here is a way of, here is one tool in the box to remedy, you know, some several generations of injustice. Here's a tool. And it's a, it's a Republican too. I mean, it, it had obviously had bipartisan support, but that came, that was initiated yeah. under by the mixed, mixed administration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it was because they recognized, hey, we purposefully withheld upward mobility and advancement in our companies, even from the government, even from buying a house. Absolutely. You know, if you a home that was, that was backed by F, FHA, uh, by the government, in the clause, is that you cannot sell this house to a black person. You cannot resell this house to a black person. If you do, we will not back this loan and the loan will become immediately due. Right? So that was purposeful. And they understood that. So affirmative action, which I think should have been labeled corrective action, was the right thing to do. Right. Hands down. But what happened was white women and Asians really benefited more from affirmative action in anything, because the the job market and the job occupations for those high level jobs were mostly right. white male. It's almost exclusively white male. I mean, it was if, if, you know one of the shows that I like to watch, uh, Mad Men. That's what society looked like, you know, where women were in service jobs, but then to move up, right? That was almost unheard of. So white women benefited more. If you look at the change in the work environment, white women, then Asian Americans, and then African Americans benefited. Right. So but most of the tropes were based upon these black, quote unquote, unqualified black person. And look, I've done some employment law discrimination cases in my time. And let me tell you, uh, the, 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 the criteria and the debt is stacked against uh, African-Americans uh, trying to advance. Also, Asian-Americans, they're stacked against them and they give these unfair advantages to the, what we call the most, fa what Paul Robeson calls the most favored race with his Rutgers uh, valedictorian speech, 
great Renaissance man. I just had to throw <laughs> Paul Robeson, Robeson in there. He was also a lawyer with the Columbia, but he was very talented. Well, you know, you, uh, you know, and his did. father went to Lincoln University. You know, and he used to he was he and, did, and his father, and he was, his father a was, a, was a preacher at Lincoln University, <laughs> Pennsylvania. So you know, I, 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 but you know, you know, when Absolutely. you mention that, when you talk about that, man. I, I it reminds me of you know when I was a reporter, um, and I went down to um, the Pettus Bridge, the 50th anniversary, when uh, Clinton mm -hmm. actually went down there and, um, you know, commemorated, you know, that anniversary of what happened on the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge with John Lewis and, and other civil rights um, giants being, you know, being yeah. attacked. And I remember being in a car with a, in a cab with a cab driver, and he was telling me about how much the, um, the you know the 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 white community down there disliked Clinton and how people were uh, you know angry about him coming there you know to to participate in this, and because of his policies, had 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 allowed them to to move up. The um, have a, a measure of uh, social mobility, upward mobility, because you remember during the Clinton years, there was, you know, there, there was Clinton left office. He, he, he had a surplus in office. Clinton years for, for many, you know, on the on the scale of comparing certain presidencies compared to Bush, you know, who came after him. Clinton years were good for a lot of people. And he was saying that those folks were so angry at Clinton and he couldn't understand it. That the fact that their lives had include had improved under Clinton, but part of why they were angry is because black people's yeah. lives lives improved. There you go. That's it. Clinton. That's it. And that's what really that's you know it. gets to the mindset of what is going on here, and the politicians understand that that's what they're playing on. Is still playing on these racist class tropes right. of. You know, white we're, we're upholding white, white, right, white, white, right, we're upholding, you know, your standing in this hierarchical, you know, caste system. We're upholding it. And if we aren't the guardians of it, if we don't control these folks coming across the border, if we don't control, you know, these blacks rising up and not knowing their place, then there's not going to be. An adequate place. Did you say that yeah, place? There's not going to be an adequate place for you, but but the for the white but man. The, but in actuality, um, again, supporting supporting policies that don't that actually undermine your interest. So it's like you actually prefer to continue to suffer rather than to to see policies where the country as a whole becomes more prosperous, is more. Uh, income in people's hands. If there's more income in everyone's hands, that's more income that can circulate throughout the economy and can lift, you know, everybody's uh, standard of living. So it's it's just amazing yeah. that we continue to come back to this issue of you know yeah. of race and how race you know sets these caste systems, and people want to hold on to their places in the system rather than you know seeing yeah. seeing a country where everybody can really pursue happiness and everybody can have a piece of the pie and how everybody can benefit from it. Yeah. But Will, you hit the nail on the head. Knowing their place. 
the these United States of America that is located on native lands, taken, as they say, Code 45 and Smith and Wesson, Wanda mm. West, right? Around manifest yeah. destiny, right? Is your God given right to take this land, you know, and to commit genocide, uh, also to destroy uh, you know, animals of buffalo, the wolf, and so forth, and all that on your way to the West. Uh, all of that, including the laws and public policy that created a separate and unequal right. society and created in its effect a caste system which said that if you're white, no matter if you are dirt poor, in the words of Justice Tony in the Dred Scott case, which was the legal bullet that started helped to start the Civil War, there are no rights any white man has. Rich white man, poor white man, northern white man, southern white man, East Coast white man, West Coast white man. There are no rights that any white any, man has. Any there black are no man rights had that black that, man, um, white man will black respect. man has that any white man is bound to respect. There are no rights that any black man has that any white man is bound to respect. Think about that. Now that case was a procedural case that was actually lost on procedural grounds, which if that's the case, all you got to do is just sign it and say, you know, the case is not right. You have no standing. That it's right. moot. You need to go back to wrong jurisdiction, and you sign it. It's a it's a one paragraph, two sentence really uh, order. But Justice Sonny decided to add his two cents in, and he wrote that decision. What he was saying to America was, see, blacks are already called the becoming uppity, right? Uh, or in the in the um, Hollywood portrayal of the movie Rosewood, which is very similar to Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, where the white man's standing saying that, you see that, you see that Negro, uh, he got a piano. Right. <laughs> I don't right. have a piano. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe because you can't play piano. He plays piano, right? Uh, it was a time period doing, you know, Joplin, uh, ragtime, you know, so piano was great. But anyway, you hit the nail on the head. It's about that caste system that was created for these United States of America, which we operate in, right? So we see the chipping away and the telling of those lies. And it's one thing, well, you, you think about it, and I, I think about I kind of liken this to family, right? You know, when someone gets ready to read a will right. uh, and when you read the will, you leave uh, belongings to your lineage, right? So your, your wife, your children, and so forth. Well, sometimes... You know, the person that you thought was your daddy or the, your daddy or Watch out now. that Watch was out not, now. right, <laughs> is not, right? So, and, and look, I know you wrote a book, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> uh, I know you addressed this as well, but it's something when you have to come to grips yeah. that you've been lied to all your life. That's a hard thing to, to come to grips with. It's a hard thing to reconcile. And you built your life around. Yeah, it's, co it's cognitive dissonance, man. I mean, it's like, you know, you like you yeah. said, it, you built your life around it. Your existence is rooted in it. And then you're seeing all this evidence of it being a lie. And that's a lot of what is encouraging and what we've up the, the uprising that we've seen in the past year with the, um, the, the, the killing of George Floyd and others uh, really bringing the Black Lives Matters movement to the yeah. forefront to be able to see 
a lot of uh, whites, a lot of uh, Latinos, people, Asian, people of all different hues recognizing the same, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not who we are, who we should be, who we can Absolutely. be. And that's what's really encouraging is that you see a lot of people, you know, a lot of a lot of white people who are sincerely saying, you know, I'm first part of the human family. And this is <laughs> this isn't except this has nothing yeah, to do this with is, it. This is this is yeah, this is not acceptable. This is this is not acceptable. And and beginning to realize that yes, when you continue to perpetuate, adopt, uphold, you know, root your existence in this lie that you are actually undermining your own self. You know what I mean? This heightened, over heightened, over um, um, yeah. belief of your superiority is not healthy for you either. And so we live in a society where you see so much sickness, you see so many people who are not doing well in, in mental health issues and so many people who are not oh, thriving yeah. and yeah. being all that they can be. Um, a lot of it, again, is rooted in the lies that we continue to perpetuate, even when we even when we know better. So I'm encouraged when yeah, I see no, a well, lot of it, whites who are yeah. who are fine and actually confident in themselves competing on a, on a level playing field and Absolutely. are out in the streets Absolutely. of fighting for a side by side as well. Yeah. And that has always been a strain of that in this country as well. You know, we have to acknowledge very much. So there's always been yeah. a strain whites who have put human, human rights and in, in, in being part of the human family first uh, over, yeah. you know, white superiority and have forced to dismantle it. And this, and this, and this encouraged. That's right. And, and yeah, you've helped educate me on a lot of that as well with the history of the Mennonite mm -hmm. Church, uh, also the Quakers, uh, the abolitionists, uh, the, the, the Bernie Sanders, uh, who actually learned uh, the Freedom Riders. They all learned how to protest and, you know, what they're doing now. So you're exactly right. You know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you have to have, I think about the children of Israel. And I'm going back to Sunday school and uh, vacation Bible school. My mother ran vacation right. Bible school until she passed Amen. away. Um, church. And, you know, what I think about the children of Israel, how, you know, the God of Israel, Jehovah, gave them all these advantages, right? So I bring out the slavery and so on. They just kept being disobedient. So he said, you know what? Some of y'all got to die. Because <laughs> y'all, you, you know, before, before I bring you over here, some of y'all got to die because you're not going to change. And Will, I think what we're seeing is that we have a generation that must pass before we get past this issue. So I am also encouraged by the interracial uh, makeup of this social justice movement. I am encouraged about the youth who are galvanizing those Joshua generation. Joshua generation is up now. Yeah. Add a soul to the message. That's right. That's right. You know, so, you know, with that, you know, those who are standing at the wall, those that are, you know, the Jeremiah has given the warning. Now, now I think you have those who are, who are pushing and getting over to us to get to that promised land. But it's, it's up to you and I and persons like us to make sure that our issues don't get lost in translation. What do you think, you know, you know what do you think that, uh, you know, as we wrap up, what our people need to do? When it comes to yeah. you know voting your interests, learning from watching yeah. a group of people continuing to put folks in office who are actually undermining their interests, they actually, they're actually <laughs> undermining their interests. You know, and you keep putting them in office. Well, yeah. I mean, 
what can what can um yeah. you know what can black people do and learn from that? Absolutely, absolutely. So, real quick, just in the last few moments, uh, another great discussion. Of course, we're going to come back to this. Uh, give us your comments on our social media. But I believe that one thing that we have to do is is continue to be informed about policies that are being written. Uh, make sure that our needs, as I mentioned before, are at the forefront. Make sure that the policies are just not there to help uh, those that give the most money, but help those that give the most votes. So again, it goes back to this, uh, for example, the minimum wage issue and the living wage issue and the like. So I think we're heading in the right direction. So like I said, we'll talk about this more. Uh, this is it for this episode. Thank you for listening to LaVie Sankerville. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank all of you for liking us, sharing, follow, continue your comments. Thank you for your support. And for us, that's the way it is. We'll see you next time.